What's up? You guys doing okay? It's a little warm in here. And uh, I'm told if the offerings are good enough today that we'll have a new heat and air unit this week. <laughs> but we'll see. So, uh, <laughs> uh, no, that is happening this week, and uh, we're grateful for that. They're scheming on that, and uh, we've, we've had a unit that's been custom built for us, and uh, it's, uh, it's supposed to be uh, being freight shipped here this week. So uh, hopefully first part of the week they're getting to starting to work on that and uh, all that. So, yeah, uh, if you see Adam Ziegler and uh, Joseph and some of those guys, tell them thank you because they've already been working on that and uh, are scheming to help make it happen. Uh, John and Troy and these guys are going to help get equipment and things, and uh, I don't even know who all else will probably be involved. But anyway, pretty pretty awesome stuff. With, with that being said, uh, I, I figured that, uh, uh, you know, today being the last Sunday that we didn't have good air conditioning would be a good chance for either one of two things. Either uh, I'd be a great, great opportunity to teach about hell, uh, or uh, I, I could invite a pastor buddy of mine that's been complaining for 13 years that I haven't invited him to come preach uh, to let him come sweat it out up here one Sunday without air conditioning. And uh, I didn't tell him that until after he said yes, of course. But uh, anyway, uh, that's that's uh, that's the route we're taking. Uh, before I introduce him, I'll just I just want to make mention of it because I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot. But uh, uh, I feel like this has been a great week in our church's life. Um, it's been a good week in my life. I, I feel like God has uh, spoken to my heart this week about some things coming up with 24 and um, uh, and really just affirming. Uh, and I'm not going to get into what and how and why. And, uh, uh, but but it, it was it was pretty clear and it was and it was very encouraging um, and exciting to be honest with you really exciting um, and so uh, in the days to come I'll probably talk about some of that and uh, I'm excited about that but uh, uh, it's going to require all of us and and we're going to be pushing forward through some stuff and Brad's kind of talking about some of that today but um, anyway uh, excited excited about what God is doing here and excited about what's coming uh, and all that stuff so. Uh, let me introduce to you, uh, this is my friend Brad Rogers. Brad, you want to go ahead and come up, you can. Um, <clears throat> so Brad and I have known each other since before we were born. Uh, our parents were friends. Uh, his dad's a pastor, my dad's a pastor. Our dads were friends. Uh, my dad was the pastor at his grandparents' church uh, where his dad grew up uh, in Princeton, Kentucky. And um, and so we we just we have a long history. We have done a lot of ministry stuff together. Uh, we used to do uh, camps and youth revivals and all this stuff. I mean, just all the time. Uh, and uh, anyway, uh, put a lot of put a lot of miles uh, on a lot of different vehicles, traveling all over the country. Uh, shared girlfriends. Not at the uh, same time. Not at the same time, because <laughs> that would be weird. Um, and. Uh, but that may have called somebody out here. I don't know, and then they'll be upset today. Uh, but uh, what? just for the record, you never dated Jenny, and I never dated Aaron. This is true. This is true. Yeah. So yeah, that's one of them. Uh, but but one of them we shared is one of Aaron's favorites. So you know, you can ask her about that later on. So, but uh, no. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we we have stories. <laughs> Stories beyond stories on history together, 
of things, the terrible things that he taught me to do as a young child, including cussing uh, and, and, and other things. Uh, you know, and, and 99% of anything that he's going to say about me is a lie. Uh, and so, you know, just, just know, just know that before this even starts. And, uh, but anyway, now, uh, Brad planted, uh, New Vision Community Church 10 years ago now, uh, 24 is 13 years old, uh, but Brad planted 10 years ago. I think he's preached at my church twice. Once. And so, you know, Mr. <laughs> whatever, I've, I've invited him like, a dozen times or something, and he makes On a big Saturday deal. night. Yeah, I mean, he acts like, you know, two or three days notice isn't enough or something. So, but uh, anyway, uh, he's going to share with us today. Just thought it'd be a great opportunity for us to hear from him and uh, uh, let God use him and, and speak through his word. So, thanks for coming. And uh, oh, oh, and I've got a thing we hooked up to the mic where uh, it's a remote and it's one of those uh, things that you shock your dog with. And from over there, I can zap him every time he gets ready to lie or something. So, yeah. All right. Good luck with it. Good morning, 24 Church. Now, before I get into my little roast of your pastor, I want to uh, tell you, number one, that uh, I was told that second service sometimes isn't as lively as first service, but I've been watching you guys, and I think y'all can outdo them. Now, this is where y'all are supposed to get real loud and say, yeah, we can do it. Y'all can outdo first service. Um, with that being said, um, over... Planting a church 10 years ago, as y'all planted a church 13 years ago. Before I get into talking about Chris, I want to tell you that 24 Church has been very instrumental in helping um, me make some decisions and do some things with a new vision over the years because a lot of times when there's new ideas that happen here and new ideas that happen at New Vision, there's usually a lunch with Chris and I and we kind of throw ideas off each other and sometimes we're like, yeah, that's a really good idea or I wouldn't do that at all and it's uh, just been, a, our friendship goes back a lot of years and um, there was a picture that I was wanting to bring today, and I could not find it. But it, it, we're about two, three years old, and we're both sitting in a chair. And, and I'd let you figure out who's the cute one, who was the ugly one. <laughs> but um, we have, uh, over the years, we've done a lot of things together, and we've been, we've been a lot of places together, and we've uh, chased a lot of girls together, and we finally caught two really good ones, one apiece for us. Let me make sure I clarify that. that <laughs> And, uh, but it's, it's really fun to be here with you this morning. And I just want to kind of tell you, do, you, do you realize that when this church started, that Chris could bring his entire family to church in a Mustang? <laughs> Not no more. It would take a fleet of them to get his family here. Um, since this church began, we're on our third president. I still hadn't and finally got the invite to come. Uh, the Nashville skyline has more than doubled in 13 years. And this is where I'm going to kind of get to some of the good stuff. In the last 13, the Preds have gotten good. Yeah, like, and all of a sudden, 13 years ago, there were no hockey fans in this place. And now we're all hockey fans because the Preds went to the Cup. Now, and of course, I'm still trying to figure it out. In 13 years, Tennessee's still hoping to win the SEC. Had to get that one in there. There we go. And of course, Kentucky just, Kentucky just prays. We just, we just, football, we just kind of endure through to basketball season. But when I think about how much hair product Chris has gone through in the last 13 years, I mean, think about how many fish have died in the Cumberland River from all the hair stuff that has gone down the drains and everything over the last 13 years. And I'll never forget the day that he called me. He said, hey, um, this is, after, I forget what baby it was, but he's like, um, I've got to get a minivan. And you understand, Chris was always the one that, that had had the really nice cars and always wrecked them or... Um, <laughs> 
and we would go, and I'm never going to have a minivan. And we had one friend, one of our good friends was like, you don't get a minivan, get a Suburban. Get a Suburban. You know he's not going to drive a Chevrolet. And um, so we go to get this van, and I was trying to video the whole thing because this was a wonderful moment. And I told him when he got the thing that you're just a couple kids away from um, the big van, and now he's a couple kids away from the big bus. So uh, at the rate that he's going, that might happen. You never know. But as I pick at him, I want to tell you that he's been a lifelong friend. I love his family. love your church. And it is truly an honor to be with you at 24 Church this morning. Now, I don't know how y'all do things here. This is how I do things back at my church. If you brought your Bible this morning, say amen. If you didn't, say oh me. If you just said oh me, you've got to give double what you were going to give in the offering when, it come, when the offering plate comes by. Uh, I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. And this is kind of, as I, when Chris invited, it's been about a week, week and a half ago that he invited me to come, and, and I started praying, God, what is it that you want me to share with 24 Church? What is it that we can, that I can bring you from, from God's glorious grounds in Kentucky all the way down to this, this place, this sinful ground called Tennessee? Y'all laugh, it's funny, ha ha. Now, we're going to have to interact up here, this is, you're not going to get out of here for lunchtime, you won't beat the Methodist to wherever it is you go to eat. So y'all better interact with me, but as uh, we think about everything that has happened around us in 13 years, some of you might have been Christians 13 years ago, some of you might not have been, but when we start looking back over our past, we see things in our past that some of the things that when we think back, even as I think back, there's parts of my past that I don't like to talk about because it's not pretty. And it's not very glorious. It's not very glamorous. And there's parts of my past that was very hurtful. And I don't like to talk about it because it opens up wounds. That, and it just, it's just hard to overcome these difficult things that, that, I've, that, that have happened in ministry and just growing up in, in church. But think about this. Chris and I are both preacher's kids that are now pastoring churches. That does not happen very often at all. As a matter of fact, I, that's a pretty rare thing that there's two preacher's kids that are as good of friends as we are, and we have never been to jail. I mean, because, uh, all right, I, the first, first service didn't get this one. This one's free. Do you know, the, you know the difference between a, you know why preacher's kids are so bad? Deacon's kids. But do you know the difference between a preacher's kid and a deacon's kid? A preacher's kid is not scared to get caught. <laughs> We'll put it all out there, but um, we've uh, over the years we've done some pretty stupid stuff, but it's all right. But um, as I think about Russellville, Kentucky, now Penny likes to say that we have more cows than we do people, and that might be close because we do have some pretty big farming operations there. But one of the things about Logan County—that's where I live at—we're in Cheatham County here. Uh, y'all are, are really close to Davidson County now. It's like Nashville keeps coming this way, and it won't be too much longer that Clarksville is going to be part of Murfreesboro and Nashville. All these things are just kind of—it's where everything's just growing at such a rapid rate. And over the—and and when this church was started, I know that was part of the heart and part of the vision of it, that that Nashville was coming this way. And that there needed to be a church here that was, that was relevant, that was really going to try to reach the people. And as that talk started taking place, but one thing has never changed in over the years is that the gospel still needs to be shared. The gospel is still alive. The gospel still needs to change lives because there are people that move into this area that do not know who Jesus is. There are people that have been here a long time that do not know who Jesus is. 
And as I say these things, in, in Nehemiah, we're gonna, I'm going to do this a little bit different than I did in first service. So the, the computer guy, I'm going to kind of break this down in smaller readings so I don't read so much at one time and my wife doesn't look at me like, you can't read. Um, but as, as we think about what Nehemiah, before I even start reading, understand that Nehemiah had a very prestigious job. Nehemiah was cupbearer to the king. This means that he was in on every meeting that the king got to sit in on. And his primary job was to make sure that he got to taste the king's food. He, touched, he got to taste the king's wine. And the reason that this job was available was to make sure that nobody had poisoned it so it doesn't kill the king. So if anybody's going to die, it's going to be the cupbearer. It's going to be Nehemiah. Well, Nehemiah was one that would, he would, people would try to become friends with Nehemiah because he was around the king and he could influence the king. He could say things that other people could not say to the king. He would be in all these meetings and know the inner workings of the country and everything that was taking place. And then we get to Nehemiah chapter 2. In Nehemiah chapter, I'm going to read the first five verses and it says, In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence, and the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing that you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid, and I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Now, I'm not a prophet but I can probably tell you this. If you've been coming to this church for any length of time, you've heard the stories of a little town in western Kentucky called Princeton. A lot of you have probably never been there. And if you have been there, you were probably lost. Because it's on the way to really nothing. But one thing about Princeton is that it has this history with Chris. That's the city that he was born in. It has history with me because that's where my parents live. It's where my grandparents are. That's where, my, that's where all of our graves are for, my, for the Rogers side of the family. And as we think about this city, now to you it might not mean anything, but to us it's this very special place because of the past that, that has taken place there. I mean, a lot of you don't even know what a Black Patch Festival is. If you don't know what that is, you need to go to Princeton, the, the, what would it be, the 1st of October? The end of September, 1st of October. And they close the streets down, and, and it's just this big festival. And if you're, if you're not around a tobacco growing company or family, that is where they come and celebrate the, the, the tobacco harvest. And, and they still celebrate that to this day. But let me ask you this morning, when we think back to this city, if we got the call this morning, that Princeton has been burned down, that Princeton is no more, we would have this desire to go back to help build the city. Now, if you've been a part of New Vision, of, of, uh, what church am I, 24 Church, for any length of time, you remember early on in your church history and early in the New Vision Community Church history that we went to Alabama to serve people whose homes were destroyed by these tornadoes that came through. We took equipment down. We took people down. And we, I mean, we, we were do, I'm not going to brag on this, but we were doing more than the Red Cross. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to toot our own horn, but we were. They, um, 
let me go ahead. I, I thought it was kind of funny. We went by this one church, and the Samaritan's Purse was set up. They had all their shiny equipment. Well, here we come from Kentucky and Tennessee. They told us we couldn't go into these communities because we weren't chainsaw certified, even though we had loggers with us that professionally cut trees every day, and, and we have all these landscape people that know what they're doing. So we just did what any good Christian people would do. We went to the back of the subdivision and came in the back way, and we met them at the front after we done cleaned everything up. But I tell you this because there was a burden that was put on our heart. We knew that we had to go help these people because their city was literally in ruins. This morning as you come in here and you think back to your past, you might see things in your life where you think, God can't use me because I'm a mess. God can't use me because of what I used to do. God Almighty can change anybody. If God can use me to be a pastor and Chris to be a pastor, that shows you He can use anybody. That's funny, y'all laugh. <laughs> Thank you. I need, I need to take you back with me. I need, sometimes I tell jokes at my church, and they just kind of look at me like, that wasn't funny at all. And I know that it was because I was laughing inside my head. But this morning, what, as you've come into this place this morning, what has God laid upon your heart? I mean, do we have a sense of urgency this morning knowing that outside the walls of this church, going up and down the highways, going up and down 24, going up, uh, the main road through Russellville is four, US 431, US 6880. The people that go down these roads, that there are so many of these people that do not know who Jesus is and what are we going to do for them? What are we going to do to show them the gospel of Jesus Christ? Nehemiah was in front of the king and and when he was before the king, it, it said that the king wanted to know what was wrong with him because he had never been sad in the king's presence. And this shows you that when God lays something upon your heart, He's going to prepare the way so that God can, there can be a movement of God. What did we read a while ago? It says that he had never been... He said, this is nothing but sadness in the heart. And he says, then I was very much afraid. I'm in verse 3. And it says, and I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins? It has been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? God opened up a door right there because God had laid something on his heart. When God puts something on your heart and you try to run from it, you will never have the peace and contentment in this life that you're looking for. Listen, I want, y'all to, I, want you to hear, I want you to hear this Kentucky preacher this morning. Wouldn't you much rather have God's blessings than all the world's riches? Y'all, the world's riches fade away. I mean, we can hope that Kentucky wins a national championship in basketball. And I just popped this thing right off. But it's not going to happen. Now, basketball... You never know. Probably not, but you never know. We could drink, let's, let's really get far-fetched out there. To my Vanderbilt fans, what if this is the year that y'all win the national championship and y'all beat Alabama and Tennessee does it? Y'all could, y'all could make Joey so mad. Where is Joey? Is he somewhere in the corner turning ice cream? <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that little dig in there for that. But when God puts something on your heart and you try to run from it, you will never have peace and contentment. In 2001, I moved to to Russellville, to the south part of the county, a little community. Now, if you've ever heard of this, you were probably drunk and lost one night living down here, being where I'm fixing to. But God moved me to a little community called Shaco. You know where that's at? Were you drunk? (laughs) No? Wow. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, this little country church called me to be their pastor. And while I was there, of course, moving down, I, I had been pastoring another church, and I thought that I was going to be there for a short amount of time, and God was going to move me on to bigger and better things. And while I was there, something happened. I met the farmer's daughter. She's sitting right there. Guys, it was, it, 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 it was bad. Every Sunday, she'd come down to the altar, and she says, God's been telling me that you're going to be my next husband. Sometimes she'd come down to the altar and she'd be like, God just wants you to lay hands on me. <laughs> this Baptist preacher almost got Pentecostal. Hallelujah! <laughs> that did not happen. I might have been dreaming that, but that did not happen. <laughs> but here's what I'm trying to tell you. If I had not went to this place that I really did not know, I didn't even know how to spell Shaco. And I'm moving to this place. I called my sister, and I, she was telling her, she goes, she says, you won't believe where Brad's moved to. He's moving to Chicago. He's moving to the city. Yeah, I'm moving to the city, all right. In, in Chaco, there are more cows than there are people. But I went there, and God blessed, and God started putting this, this, this burden on my heart for this place called Logan County. And I've been there ever since, and I can't imagine being anywhere else. When God has laid something upon your heart, you need to know that it's not always going to be easy when it's time to do something about it. Because it's going to open up wounds. It might cause new wounds. It might put you in a place where you realize this is going to be hard to get through. But if God has laid it upon your heart and you're fulfilling His will, you're going to try to do what it is that God's calling you to do. This morning, as you come into this place, hey, do you have urgency this morning to be in the right spot for God to speak to you? I know that a lot of you this morning, you came in and you wasn't expecting to hear me up here. And that's fine, that's good, but maybe this is a divine appointment for God to speak to you. And hear a different voice and a different style of preaching so that, that this is the day that God gets through and shows you that, we've, that God has laid something upon our hearts. Verses 6 through 8 say this. And the king said to me with the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and when I had given him a time, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me, to the governors, to the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to ask for the keeper of the king's force, that he may give timber to make beams for the gates and for the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the, and the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of God was upon me. This morning, do you have urgency? This morning, what is it that God's in your life? Has God laid something on your heart? And this morning, is God asking you, what is God wanting me to give? I mean, we come to church, you expect the offering plate to come around. I know nowadays in a lot of churches it's not as important about the offering as it is the online giving or the text giving or the, whatever it is, the way that you choose to give. But sometimes as believers in Jesus, we take the easy way out by throwing a little cash in an offering plate or writing a check and we think, well, God, I've done my part. Sometimes God wants you to do more than just throw a little bit of money into an, into an offering plate or an offering basket. Maybe God is asking something greater of you. What is it that you need to be doing at this moment to make sure that you are right with your walk with God? 
Are there things in your life that is keeping you from seeing the greatness and the goodness and the glory of God because we have allowed our lives to be filled up with hell all week long and we think because I'm at church and I throw a little bit of cash in the offering plate that the blessings are going to rain down. We can't live like hell six days a week and expect God to just bless us one day a week. But maybe in this moment, God is speaking to us and saying, all right, I see some things that I've got to give up. Now as we look at Nehemiah and we hear this story, not only was he sad in front of the king, but he also had been making preparations. He had thought the situation through. He saw some things that he was going to need. And the king gave him the things that he needed. Maybe if we're willing to give more of ourselves, that God will give us the things that we need to do these things and these callings that God has placed upon our hearts. God doesn't call everybody to be a pastor. God doesn't call everybody to be a teacher. God doesn't call everybody. We all have different callings because we got a lot of people we got to minister to. I learned a couple weeks before last that God did not call me to be the children's minister. We took 25 kids to camp, and I was stuck in a room with six boys. They stink. Boy, do they stink. And I don't know how many times. Joe Isaac, where are your shoes? Landon, where are your glasses? We had three Landons. One of them was really quiet, and the other two, there was nothing quiet about them. And, um, of course, being the good pastor that I am, I had them convinced that at Jonathan Creek that week, that was the season for the West Kentucky spotted frog that does not exist, and that if it jumps on them, it will rot their skin off. Because that's what good pastors do. We terrify little kids. I've got another one I could tell you, but I'm not going to tell it from up here. All I'm going to say is one little boy didn't want to get back in the water. (laughs) But if God's church is in decline, it's usually because of a laziness and a hardness of heart inside the church. We've got God's blessing. We've got everything. We've got the message that has forever changed the world and can continue to change the world. It is up to us, the church, to use His power, to use His Word, to continue to go out and reach people. This church, now, let me kind of, I didn't get this controversial with first service. Let me do it with second service because y'all, y'all, y'all are the good service. Y'all, y'all are interacting really well. But the church is not here just for us. The church is here for God's glory. If you come in and say, God bless me because I'm in your building, you're not, the, the, the blessings are going to be short-lived. The church that, I think this building used to be some kind of a warehouse. And because God's people have come together and y'all have prayed over this place and you've made payment after payment, it's become a church. The church that I've pastored, we used to be a lumber company there in Russellville. It would close down. We started renting this place. And, and because of what takes place in that building, it's not because of the building, but it's because of what takes place in that building. There's been movements of God, and our city has been forever changed because of what has taken place in there. What is it that God is laying upon your heart? What is it that God is wanting you to give? Some, you know one of the most precious commodities that every one of us in here we have is time. I bet I can ask everybody in this room, how was your week this past week? And most of you are going to respond this way. It's busy. I sure will. It was busy. I'm just so busy. How many many of you in here are busy? I'm going to put both my hands up. We're all busy. But what are we busy doing? Who are we busy serving? Y'all, that's hard to say because when I say that, I have to look at my own life. 
And I realize there's a lot of things that I allow into there that takes up some of that time that doesn't even matter. I mean, think about that. When we look at our lives and we look at everything that is around us, are we truly giving God our very best? Sometimes we need to give more than just money, but we need to give our time. We need to give our energy. We need to take risk for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we need to be willing to put our reputation on the line because you, you've got a set of friends that you used to run around with. They used to be this way and you used to be this way, but Jesus has changed you, but you're afraid to go around them because they're going to remember who you were, but that's not who you are now. Take the risk and go around those people and show them how Jesus has forever changed your life. And maybe you can change their life for all of eternity. You know, we're in the eternal business here. We're at church a couple hours on Sunday every week. Sometimes it's a little bit more, sometimes it's a little bit less, depending on how long the preacher goes. But are we giving Christ our best? Do we really have the urgency for God to, to give something back to God? Last part of here in verses 9 through 20, it says, Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. So here they come into the place, they're getting close, and they're wanting to stop them before they can even get started. But because God had laid this on Nehemiah's heart, and because he had given so well to God, and, and God gave back to him, he had these letters. So when these people come and say, You can't come this way, he says, I got letters from King Artaxerxes. You got to let me in. I've got the king's backing on this. It says, now, now the king had sent with me officers and the army and the horsemen. But when Sambath the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. So I went to Jerusalem, was there three days, and I rose in the night. I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that, I, that was under me to pass. Then I went up at night by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered the, the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And, the, and I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, or the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And he told them, The hand of my God that has been upon me for good, and also for the words of the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good of the work. And when Sambath the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant of Geshem the Arab heard it, they jeered at us and, and despised us, saying, what is this thing that you're doing? You are rebelling against the king. Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper, and we his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion, right, or claim in Jerusalem. Do we have urgency this morning? To not realize that God has put something on our heart. That we've got to give back. But maybe this is the day that you say, what is it that God is truly asking me to do? What is it that God is asking me to do? I know one thing that God didn't ask me to do, that was to sing on the praise team. I got a little mic like this one at home, but 
Chris has a weird shaped ear. That's why this one keeps moving around so much. And uh, one Sunday I had my mic on. I was, up, I was up there just singing away and just having a good time just worshiping Jesus. And the guys from the back, they said, mute your mic. It is horrible. I thought, I'm just making a joyful noise. They said, I don't know. It is noise, but it's not joyful to us. So God did not call me to lead in by the singing of worship, but God did call me to preach. I have no doubts about that calling. I know that God's called me to, to lead churches. But what is it that God's asking you to do? I know the one thing that He's asking us to do is to be in the center of God's will. And being in the center of God's will does not mean that everybody's always going to be happy with what is going on in your life. As I said, I went with kids to camp last week. And it never fails. And I'm sure as Chris thinks back to years in in student ministry, and if Penny was in here, there's been kids, they'll go to camp, we get them away from everything that they're used to. And God will speak to them. And they'll feel this call upon their life and they go back home to tell mama and daddy and all of a sudden mama and daddy talk them out of being in the center of God's will because they're not going to make enough money. They might move them to a foreign country where they will not be close to them. They might move them to a foreign land to where they just can't pop in and see their little sugar muffin. Mamas and daddies, don't we want our children to be in the center of God's will no matter where it takes them? I mean, I hope that we do. I mean, I've got an only child. I've got Luke. And and yeah, the thought of that scares me knowing that he might move off and I can't see him whenever I want to be or whenever I want to. But if God has called him somewhere, guess where I better be? Son, if that's where God's calling you, you better go. Allow God's blessings to rain down. How long has it been that you've stopped and you've inspected every area of your life to measure it to God's standards and and not just to what makes us happy? Nehemiah went through this city and he was inspecting these walls. And he's trying to figure out what parts he could use, what parts he couldn't use, what parts needed to be built up first, where, what people needed to be at what area. And he was inspecting these walls and, and, he, and he started finding resistance where people couldn't believe it, that you were going to come help these people. And he persisted. He kept going through with it. This is what God's called me to do. When you do what God calls you to do, you will find peace and contentment. Let me say that again. When you do what God calls you to do, you will find peace and contentment. Let me tell you about Russellville. There's nothing glamorous about it. This is how small of a town it is. We celebrate, we celebrate a bank robbery every October. Jesse James robbed the bank way back when, and they reenact this every year like it's going to happen again. I'm in, the, I'm in the Russell Rotary Club, and one of the banks got robbed last year, and we decided that all the people that worked at Auburn Bank needed to be on the steering committee to oversee the bank robbery of Jesse James because they would have it down a little bit better pat than everybody else would. And um, they didn't think it was funny when that was brought up. But, <laughs> but this is what we celebrate. And I know that sounds corny, it sounds, but that's home to me. That's where God has placed me. And when I drive through that city, I see people that need to be touched by the gospel of Jesus. I see things in that city that need to be built up. I see churches, some that are in decline, some that have died completely. Then I see other churches that are thriving and doing well. When you answer a call from God, you are going to have to have a great determination that nothing will move you from that call other than God saying, you have finished what I've asked you to do here. Now it's time to move to the next mission that I've given you. 
This morning, let me ask you this question. Is Jesus your Savior? All right, this side of the room's good. Let me ask this. Is Jesus your Savior? We're getting there. Y'all, I can tell we got a lot of Tennessee fans in there. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're here. We're, this is going to be the year. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just have so much fun with this. But is Jesus your Savior? Yes. Now, altogether, is Jesus your Savior? Yes. What has He put up on your heart that you need to be doing? Do you know that if Jesus is your Savior, do you believe that Jesus can change this world? Of course He can. We've got everything that we need. I know that Chris made the statement a while ago that if y'all's offering's good, that your air's going to be fixed next week. I see a lot of you fanning. You're like, I might see if I can find an extra 20. Hey, God can take our little and He can turn it into much. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's why we believe and that's why we know that if we put our hope in Jesus that He can change this world that is around us. Let me tell you something. Donald Trump's not going to change the world. Ooh, this is getting controversial. (laughs) Whoever the next president of the United States is, that's not going to be the one that makes real change. Real change is going to come when the church rises up. Come on, church. When the church rises up, that's when you say amen. When we rise up as believers in Jesus Christ and we know that we've got all the power, all the money, all the resources and we can forever change this world because of what Christ Jesus has done in us. Have you put yourself in a position to be used by God? I can't answer that for anybody but but myself. As I close this morning, in 1800... Between Adairville and Russellville, there was this little thing called the Red River Meeting House. It's a little log cabin church. And there was this preacher that prayed for God's movement to happen. Now, Shaco's in the middle of nowhere. And that's where this little Red River Meeting House is. These people started coming to this little log cabin church. And they started praying. And God started doing a movement. Now, this is in the 1800s. And for months... People would come and they would camp at this little church. And this revival broke out. And they said that on nights, sometimes during the service, that you would go out in the area and you would hear people, they would go out, they would be out into the woods and they would sound like dogs howling. Because they were so overcome by the sin that was in their life and they didn't know what else to do but to cry out to God and say, God, change me. Y'all, that started the second great awakening that spread all across this nation. If it can happen in a little log cabin in the middle of nowhere, just imagine what could happen with all these churches, with all these people, if we would come together and we would put ourselves in a position to be used by God Almighty. The question is, do we have the urgency to do it? Do we have the urgency to see God do something great? I think that we do, and I think we're on the verge of seeing something awesome happen. And it's going to happen... Chris and I had a conversation just this past week. I don't think it's going to happen with the great big churches. I think it's going to happen with our medium-sized churches. When we get so stirred and so moved that we start telling everybody what Jesus has done for us. And when it starts happening, every time I read my Bible, I don't care if it's the King James Version or the ESV, but every time Jesus showed up, so did a crowd. When are we going to let Him show up in our lives? God, I love you.
I thank you for the opportunity today to be able to come into your house, to be able to worship with brothers and sisters in a different body. God, I pray, Lord, that right now that we are examining our hearts, we're examining everything that is in our life, and we're seeing the things that need to be changed in our lives, the things that need to be rebuilt. God, only you are powerful enough to take our junk in our past and change our futures. God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus down the cross for my sins. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to once again to stand up on a stage and to proclaim your gospel that you are Lord. Lord, as we get ready to celebrate you by doing what you asked us to do, I pray, God, that you would move us. And if there's someone here today that has never received you as their Lord and Savior, God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. God, all we ask is for your spirit to fill this place like it never has before. And God, it's with great urgency we ask you today, Spirit, move. God, you do something mighty. And the only reason we want to see you move is because we love you and we know that we've got a message worth sharing. God, allow a change to start inside of me. I love you and I want to serve you. And it's in the risen name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.